looking in the book of Mark chapter number 12, and we're also looking in the book of Matthew chapter number 28. Amen. So why don't you find Matthew 28, put your finger there, turn over to Mark chapter 12, and we'll read Mark chapter number 12 and verse number 24. Also remind you that uh, on the back of your bulletin, there's some fill-in-the-blank sermon notes that will help you uh, follow along, stay focused, and also give you something to take home with you. Amen. I've been battling some uh, a sore throat and some uh, allergies the last couple of days, but just pray the Lord will help us today. You're okay. You're in the first service. It's that second service when you're sick. You know, I can make it through anything once. It's that grabbing yourself by the nap of the neck and getting up here and doing it again when you're sick. That's the tough one. So uh, you're all right this morning. We'll make it through, I promise. Uh, Mark chapter number 12 and verse number 24, uh, Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken? Because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. Jesus said you're mistaken. You're wrong because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. And then look over in uh, Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. Verse number uh, 19 and 20. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. Say make disciples. disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Say teaching them. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the This morning we're going to be talking about discipleship. Discipleship. Father, I thank you today for the word of the Lord that is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. Father, I just pray your anointing, Lord, will help us today. It will break every yoke of hindrance and bondage today. Give us strength to be effective with your word, Father. It is your word and not our delivery that is the power. And we believe you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, here at New Bethel, we are trying to uh, offer a balanced approach to the Christian life. Because of that, we do three things at New Bethel. First of all, we celebrate. We celebrate. That's what we are here for this morning. That's what we are doing. Sunday morning is our time for celebration. We celebrate the Lord and what He means in our life. Not only do we celebrate, but then also we connect. The second thing that we are trying to do at New Bethel is we're trying to connect. And so the second and fourth Sunday night of the month, we have dedicated to connection groups, small groups of people meeting around the city, meeting together primarily for fellowship, to get to know one another, to get plugged in, uh, to get connected one to another. And then the third thing that we are trying to do at New Bethel at this particular time in the history of our church, and that is we cultivate. We cultivate, and we have dedicated Wednesday night as our time for cultivation. You say, what does it mean to cultivate? Well, some synonyms for the word cultivate are plant, till, educate, and teach. So Wednesday night is our night for discipleship, our night to teach and to train and to develop our people in their faith. So if you are missing one of these three opportunities, you are missing out on a third of what we're trying to do here. 
And if you are missing two of the three opportunities, then you are missing out on two-thirds of what we have to offer. I believe that in order to be a well-rounded and a balanced child of God, I believe that you're going to need to be a part of all three of these opportunities. Do we need to celebrate? Absolutely. Is this all that we need to do? Absolutely not. Do we need to connect with people? Do we need to cultivate our Christian life? Of course we do. You say, Pastor, where do you get... Where's the basis and where do you get these three things? Well, I just happen to have a manual. The word of the Lord says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, sharing of meals, and in prayer. Hebrews 10 and 25, do not neglect your meeting together as some are doing. What was the early church doing? They were celebrating, they were connecting, and they were cultivating. This morning I want to share with you from my heart. You see, I'm concerned that so many of our people are only involved in one or two of the opportunities that we have to offer. And my sermon this morning is not meant to heap condemnation on you. I I don't want you to leave here condemned this morning. I'm not chastising anyone this morning. I'm not trying to make anyone feel condemned or feel bad this morning. But the purpose of this message today is to challenge you and hopefully convince you of your need for all three of the core values that we have at New Bethel. See, these are not only core values of New Bethel, but they are more than uh, core values of New Bethel. They are actually the core values of the New Testament church. So this morning I'm going to talk about cultivation or discipleship and the need for it. Let's go back to our beginning scripture. Jesus said in in Mark chapter 12 and verse 24, he He said, your mistake is that you don't know the scripture. I love Jesus. You know, some of you have got a sweet little Jesus that never offends anybody. And, you know, he's kind of effeminate and laid back and easy going. That's not my Jesus. You mess up, he's just liable to take a whip and run you out of the church. That's my Jesus. And Jesus said here to the religious leaders, he said, your mistake is. You see, some religious leaders were asking Jesus a question. And Jesus answered the question by saying, your problem is... Jesus said, hey guys, your problem is you don't know the Scripture. And Jesus said, if you knew the Scripture, if you knew the Word of the Lord, you wouldn't even be asking me the question. Because the answer is already found in the Scripture. And the problem is you don't know what it says. And so it is with us this morning. All of the questions of life are answered in the Scripture. If we know and obey the Word of the Lord, we'll have a better life. That's what it's all about this morning. And that's why why I want to talk to you and I want to challenge you and I want to motivate you to, to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night. Not so that we can boast to the people about how many we had on Wednesday night or for any other reason. But but listen, we want your life to be better. And your life is going to be better when you get the word of the Lord down in your heart. You see, the word of the Lord is filled with warnings and admonishment and teaching. 
At New Bethel, Wednesday night is dedicated to to cultivation. On Wednesday nights, we disciple, we teach, we train God's people in how to live according unto the teaching of the Word of the Lord. And the Word of the Lord, the Bible, is our textbook on Wednesday night, either directly or indirectly. Sometimes, right word for word from the Bible, we teach and we train. Other times, we use other books. But these books that we use to teach out of have their foundation or their premise from the word of the Lord. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of people that are saved, but their lives are still a mess. They're saved. But their life is still a mess. They struggle as a mate or they struggle as a parent or they struggle as an employee or employee, uh, employer or all of the above. Some saints struggle with inferiority, some with anger, some with bitterness. Oh, I could go on and on and on with uh, the struggles that the people of God have. They're saved. They've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. Amen. They're saved. They're on their way to heaven. They're going to go to heaven and they come to church on Sunday morning and they celebrate their Lord and they celebrate their faith, but then they go home and struggle with all of their issues week after week after week. You see, God not only wants to save you, but He wants to give you a better life. He wants you to go to heaven when you die, but He wants to give you a little taste of heaven right here and now. Amen. He not only wants you to go to heaven, but He wants you to live in victory on a daily basis. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, my favorite uh, scripture of the Bible, he amplified, uh, Jesus said, I came that they might have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance. Have it to the full. Have it until it overflows. Let me tell you something this morning. We don't get this kind of life just by being saved. I said, we don't get this kind of life just by being saved. We don't get this kind of life just by coming to celebration service. We get this kind of life by cultivating our experience with God through the study of the Word of the Lord. As we learn and then apply God's Word to our everyday lives, our lives are enriched and blessed. Discipleship is so important. It it is so important. Therefore, we have dedicated all of our Wednesday nights to discipleship. Now, this isn't all of discipleship. This celebration service this morning is a part of our discipleship. If you'll come every Sunday and if you'll take notes and you'll apply, amen, the practical teaching and training and preaching of the Word of the Lord that you receive every Sunday, amen, there will be some discipleship. There's some incredible discipleship. Your life will be enriched and blessed, amen. But let me tell you that we need more than that. We need more than that. On Sunday morning when I address this congregation, I have everybody from a, from a baby in the nursery to the oldest person in the church is about 90 years old. And somehow I got a... On Sunday morning I have everything. I have a few very liberal people. I have a few very conservative people. And I have a whole lot in between those two. And somehow I've got to, I've got to connect with all of those people. Somehow I've got to, I've, I've got to reach them some way, somehow. Uh, on Sunday morning, I've got everybody that just got saved, amen, in the, in the last meeting or the last service, uh, the people that have been serving God longer than I've been alive. And somehow I've got to make a connection from that little big baby Christian that needs to suck their thumb and suck on a bottle and be diaper changed, amen, to that mature saint of God that's heard everything 1500 times. 
So we need another opportunity, and we call that our cultivation night on Wednesday night. Amen, where we can separate it. Maybe somebody needs to work on their marriage, or maybe somebody needs to work, you know, on the fundamentals of the faith, or, or, or a host of things that we will have, and we will offer them, amen, to them, and they can go, and it can be directed at them, and it can be an incredible blessing, and an incredible way of discipling them, and maturing them in the ways of the Lord. Let me give you this morning quickly five reasons why God's word and the study of it is so very important. And that's what discipleship is. It is is teaching and training people in the word of the Lord. Five reasons why God's word and the study of it is so very important. First of all, let me suggest that it's perfect. It's perfect. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong and teach us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Let me tell you something this morning. The Word of God in its original form has no errors or contradictions. It is absolutely perfect. Ever since Scripture was written, man has tried to discredit it. Uh, Oh, but every single time, God's Word wins out. The critic dies, and God's Word keeps living on. It has stood the test of time. Not only is God's Word perfect, let me suggest also that it's powerful. It's powerful. Hebrews 4 and 12, the Word of the Lord is alive and powerful. Say powerful. Oh, it is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joy and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Let me suggest three things that God's Word has power to do. First of all, let me suggest that God's Word has power to save. Power to save. James 1 and 21 says, Humbly accept the Word of God that has the power to save your souls. The word of the Lord has power to save. It is the word of God that provides us with a road map to heaven. Friend, without the word of the Lord, we wouldn't even know what the requirements for salvation are. Not only does the word of God have power to save, but let me also suggest that it also has power to sanctify. That's an old word. It simply sanctified simply means to, to set apart or to separate. Ephesians 5 and 26 says that God's word cleanses us. His word cleanses us. As we read, as we study, as we apply the word of the Lord to our lives, we become sanctified or we become set apart from the world. We don't hear a lot about sanctification today. We don't hear a lot about being set apart from the world today. Amen. But let me tell you, this is a day where we need to hear it more than we've ever needed to hear it in the history of the church. It's incredible to me how people think today in the church. How they think, how they act. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, Come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord, and don't touch their filthy things. Amen? Paul said that we're not to be like the world. Paul said that there should be a difference in a, in a sinner and in a saint. And it ought to be more than just their confession. And it ought to be more than just the fact that they go to church once or twice a month. 
Come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord, and don't touch their filthy things. Somebody said, if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck. Well, I say if somebody looks like a sinner, if somebody sounds like a sinner, if somebody does what a sinner does, they're probably a sinner. Jesus said not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody that comes to a celebration service on Sunday morning is going to go to heaven. By the way, I noticed all of you missed the rapture yesterday. I think Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour where the Son of Man comes. Amen. He's coming. He's coming. Amen. And someday somebody's going to predict it, not because that they knew something, but simply because there's, you know, you predict enough days, you're going to get it someday because he's coming. But don't be a nut and make us all look bad by. Dear Lord, help us. I mean, sometimes the devil, he don't even need to do any work. As Christians, we'll mess things up all by ourselves. Serial Christians, you know, nuts and flakes. Listen, friend, you cannot run with the world and walk with God at the same time. You can't live like the devil all week long and then change into a saint on Sunday. Amen? People come in here, they think they can, they can, they can live together, they can live in adultery, and they can come and celebrate on Sunday morning. Let me tell you that, that if you're a sinner, you're welcome to, to come and, and, and be in the celebration service. We need a house full of sinners, amen? But let me tell you, there's something wrong, there's something wrong, amen, when, when somebody can live blatantly and openly in sin, and they can come to the church over and over and over and never feel any conviction and never hear the word of the Lord where they feel bad about it. Listen, friend, amen, you're welcome here, but I want to see you get right with God. The last few years, I've married about five couples who came to church here. and They were shacking up for many, many, for a long, long time. But we loved them. We didn't throw them under the bus. Amen. But we still preach the Word of God. Amen. And under, they got under conviction. And they came and said, Pastor, will you marry me? And I say, well, man, just when you want to do it tomorrow. Couple have said you're narrow-minded. I'm going to another church. That's fine as well. Amen. Listen, friend, we need to hear the word of the Lord this morning. We need to preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And let me tell you something. We need more than just some emotional experience that we get through praise and worship and our time in the altar. These are good things, but these are not enough. It's not enough. 
We need to cultivate our experience with God through the study of His Word which will sanctify or set us apart from the world. And we help you with this through our cultivation classes on Wednesday night. i got to hurry this morning. Not only does God's Word have power to save and power to sanctify, it also has power to sustain. Psalm 119 and 11, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Friend, long after the tingle from the worship or altar experience is gone, the Word of God will sustain you. Now, don't under, misunderstand me this morning. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. I, I want people to respond to the altar call. I want people to, I want God to touch us. God gave us our emotions, and it's okay if God wants to touch our emotions. But listen, friend, here's what bothers me. For far too many people in church, that's all they have is an emotional experience. The evangelist comes and it's the same people responding to the same altar call as they did last time. That's good. I can't tell you how many evangelists claimed me as their convert. Because I got saved in every revival. My dad was a preacher and they preached hell so hot back in those days that, you know... I mean, I, I got saved every, in fact, my dad had this favorite evangelist, and every time she came, I got saved. It was so bad, I'm, if, if I'm lying, I'm dying. A lady, a little lady in the church asked me, my dad said, Hazel Burns will be here next Sunday to start revival. After church, this little lady came up to me and said, well, which one of you Benson boys is backslidden now? Burns is coming back. The church actually believed that when, when, the, when the preacher's kids were backslid, the preacher would call in Hazel Burns and she'd come and preach because daddy knew when she preached, we'd get saved. Well, it's okay when you're 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old. Hey Amen. But let me tell you, there comes a time, friend, hey Amen, when we need more than just some kind of emotional high, some kind of an emotional experience. Hey Amen. There comes a time when we need to get into the Word of the Lord, and it's the Word of God. Hey Amen. And the teaching and training of the Word of God. That's what sustains us. Long after the tingle of the altar, long after the tingle of the, of the worship time is gone, the word of the Lord is what we need to sustain us. Amen? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. The writer of Hebrews says this, There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You think I'm rough. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need somebody to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For somebody who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature who, through training, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. We need to do more than just celebrate. We need to cultivate the Word of the Lord. We need to cultivate our experience with God. Amen. So that when the rough times come and when the devil comes and tempts us and when difficulty comes into our life, we will be sustained long after the tingle is gone, long after the experience is far past, but we will have something, uh, uh, some su- substance from the word of the Lord to sustain us. Amen. 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 Let's move on. Not only is God's word perfect and powerful, it is also practical. 
practical. And this is really what I want to talk about today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. Paul writes, he says, You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from a child, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Notice verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip His people God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Say, every good work. You see, friend, God's Word was not given to us just to save and sanctify and sustain us. But God's Word is also filled with all kinds of very valuable and very practical teaching and training and instruction. Did you know that God's Word has something to say about every single issue of life? Sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly, sometimes it's, it's just a principle of the Word of the Lord that applies. But in one way or the other, God's Word offers practical advice and instruction for every part of our life. And this is primarily what we are trying to do on Wednesday night in our cultivation classes. You see, the church should not only be about getting people saved, and we ought to be about getting people saved. Not just at home, but also around the world. But the church should not only be about getting people saved. The church should also be about helping people develop and helping people grow and helping people mature in every area of their life. Let me just mention four of the 400 practical areas that the Bible offers help in. How about money? Say, preacher, you talk a lot about that. Yeah, because Jesus did. I figure if it's important to Jesus, it ought to be important to us. You see, the Bible is filled with money-managing principles. Full of it. Full of it. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than He did about heaven and hell altogether. Talked about money. Evidently, Jesus thought that money management was important. He thought it so important that He said in Luke chapter 16 and verse 11, listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, if you are not trustworthy with your money... If you are not trustworthy with your money, who is going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? The Bible tells us to do four things with our money. We've covered this many times, but you learn by repetition. So I'm going to just hit them and go on this morning. But but the Bible talks about four things we ought to do with our money. Number one, we ought to sow some. We ought to sow some. It's called tithe and offering. The first 10% of our income is not ours at all. It belongs to God. It's sanctified. It's set apart. It's holy. And we better not touch it. And we better take that first 10% of our income, take it to the house of God, offer it as an act of of, uh, obedience and an act of worship. Once we have given that 10%, then above and beyond that, then we ought to give an offering. And I'm pretty good at giving you opportunities for that around here. Four things we ought to do with our money. Number one, we ought to sow some. Number two, we ought to save some. Save some. Why is it that you're willing to pay everybody else but the one that did all the work? You. 
You did all the work. And you're willing to pay GMAC and, 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 and the mortgage company and, and Albertsons and, and, and Walmart and all these. You, you, you have no problem paying everybody else. And you don't pay the one that did all the work. Duh. Sow some and save some. Pay yourself. Pay yourself. Amen. Save some for emergencies. Let me tell you, there will be emergencies. Save some for investments. Well, it's no fair. The rich get richer and the poor get poor. Why, why, why? It ain't fair. I'll tell you why the rich get richer and the poor get poor. The reason why the poor get poor is because... They spend all they make. They spend all they make. And then when a good investment, when a good opportunity comes their way, amen, they are not able to cash in. They're not able to invest because they spend up all that they have made. The rich get richer, amen, because they pay themselves. They save some. They set some aside. And so when a good deal comes, when a good opportunity comes, amen, they've got a reserve. They've got something to pull from. And they can take that and make that investment. And they're just going to get richer. Save some for your old age. I hope you have good kids. I wouldn't depend on them. Amen. And someday you're going to get too old to work. Someday you may not be too old to work, but they think you are. You know, for a preacher, about the time he gets old enough to really have something to say, they think he's too old and they get rid of him, get some young, good-looking dude in there. They don't know, come here from Sikkim. But he's sharp and he looks pretty. Hey, that might happen to me someday. Amen. So I want to have something reserved. Amen. So when nobody wants to hear me or listen to me anymore, I'll go preach at the nursing home, but I'll still eat. Hey, if you got a little bit to give the kids and the grandkids, that's okay too. The Bible talks about that. Four things you ought to do with your, your money, according to the Bible. You ought to sow some, save some. You ought to share some. Share some. Share with the poor. Share with your friends. Share with those that have need. Number four, you ought to spend some. You like that one, don't you? You've got to have a place to live. You need good, reliable transportation today. You need clothes to wear. You need food to eat. You need uh, the daily necessities of life. And listen, it's even okay to spend some money on fun and recreation if, say if, if we have sowed some, saved some, and shared some. Some people struggle with their finances. Most people mismanage their finances. Most people mismanage their finances. I remember one night in Midland, we were out, everybody went out after church. A certain individual who always went out, he didn't go out. And next Wednesday night, I said, I miss you, uh, so-and-so place on Wednesday night. He said, I, well, he said, I couldn't go. I'm financially embarrassed. He made more money than anybody in the church. And he couldn't come and eat after church because he's financially Embarrassed. 
Most people mismanage their money. Yeah, most people mismanage their money. God teaches you how to manage your God-given resources. And we're going to teach you what God's Word says about money and the management of it in some of our cultivation classes on Wednesday night. God's Word is very practical. Notice another practical area that God's Word addresses. It also addresses marriage. I hadn't preached in two weeks, so I get to preach longer today. God's Word teaches us about marriage. God's Word teaches us what to look for in a mate. It tells a husband how he ought to treat his wife. It tells a wife how she ought to treat her husband. The three biggest problems in marriage today are in the areas of finance, sex, and communication. The Word of the Lord addresses all three of these areas. We just finished a series of lessons. Brother Johnny Showalter taught it. A series of lessons on Wednesday night in our cultivation classes on how uh, husbands and wives give and receive love. And we're going to have many more classes on marriage in the future. Somebody said love is grand Divorce is 20 grand. A wealthy older gentleman who had just married a a beautiful young woman was beginning to wonder if she had only married him for his money. So one day he asked her, he said, tell me the truth. He said, if I lost all of my money, would you still love me? Of course I would, dear, she said. And I'd miss you terribly. In marriage, the two become one. The problem arises when they try and decide which one. (laughs) 50% of marriages are ending in divorce today. I I think we ought to, probably ought to be talking about marriage. And if the church is just as strong or just as weak as as the families in the church, maybe we just might need to cultivate our marriage with some good Bible teaching on marriage. See, God's Word is practical. It contains much practical instruction on everything that pertains to everyday life. This is actually a manual for living. Just as your owner's manual is a manual that will tell you how to service and how to maintain your vehicle, this this is our manual. Amen. It tells us how to service and maintain our lives. Notice another practical area the word addresses. How about our ministry? Most of the epistles of Paul are practical advice on ministry. They tell us who are qualified for different ministries. The do's and the don'ts of ministries. It talks about the how-to's of ministries. It talks about how to discipline ministries uh, that are in error. And on and on and on it goes, giving practical advice on ministry. So we should cultivate our ministries through teaching and training our leaders and workers. And we're going to be doing a whole lot more of that as time goes on. And then the fourth one I just call miscellaneous. You see, just about every area of life we can find practical advice and admonition in the word of the Lord. Jesus said to the religious leader, your problem is you don't know the word. If you knew the word, you wouldn't be asking me this question, Jesus said. Some of you this morning I could say, but I'm so nice, I wouldn't tell you directly, but I could say, your problem is, you don't know the word. Because if you knew the word, you wouldn't be acting like that. If you knew the word, you wouldn't be talking like that. If you knew the word, you wouldn't be doing that. So we need to know the word, don't we? 
We need to know the word. Amen. Long after the tingle is gone, long after the emotion of the experience is gone. And I'm not discounting emotion. God gave us emotions. And, 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 and oh, boy, there's another sermon too. Some of you need to find yours. <laughs> Dear folks, that's another sermon. Let me hurry this morning. I've got to close here in about three minutes. And I've got two points, but I'm going to do it real quick. Let me hurry. Not only is God's word perfect and powerful and practical, it's also profitable. 2 Timothy 3.16, God's word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You see, friend, if we only understood the immeasurable value of the word of the Lord, it contains the answers to every single question of life. If we only understood the incredible wisdom that is found in the Word of the Lord. Listen, friend, the richest people on planet Earth are not those that have the biggest bank account. No, the, the richest people on planet Earth are those who are, who are wealthy with the wisdom and the knowledge of the Word of God. And every Wednesday night, we offer you the opportunity to cultivate wealth. If you'll come on Wednesday night, we'll teach you how to get rich. In wisdom and knowledge of the word of the Lord. Amen. One last thing about the word of God and then we're done this morning. It's permanent. Permanent. First Peter 1, 24 and 25. People are like grass. Their beauty like a flower. The grass dies. The flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Friend, ever since it was written, man has tried to discredit and destroy the Word of God. The Bible's critics die, and the Word of God lives on. Hear me. Philosophy comes and philosophy goes. Man has one theory today, and he has another one tomorrow. But God's Word remains as it was written. It remains the same. And hear me this morning. You can take it or you can leave it. You can believe it or you can not believe it. You can live by it or you can die without it. You can become a saint or you can become a skeptic. The choice is yours. I choose to believe it. I choose to live by the Word. You see, the Word of the Lord has proven itself faithful to me for 56 years now. I'm going to hold on to it until I die and I'm going to trust it. For what happens after I die? Pastor Braden could get back on the keyboard this morning, please. As the lead pastor of New Bethel Church, I'm responsible for this church. I'm responsible for the direction of this church. And I believe that God wants us to offer a balanced approach to Christian living. And because I believe this, we offer our people three things. Number one, we offer them celebration. That's what this is all about this morning as we, as we come together on Sunday morning and we celebrate the goodness of God. We celebrate, amen, the love of the Lord on Sunday morning. But it's not only about celebration. It also needs to be about connection. And so we offer you small group settings on the second and fourth Sunday night of, of most months where you can get together in a smaller setting and get to know somebody and get connected with them. In a few months, we're going to start something brand new. I believe God is leading us and directing me and helping me that we're going to start something, amen, where everybody's going to be watched over. Everybody's going to be cared for. Let me tell you, all full-time staff can do is just manage crisis. That's all we can do. And whoever has the, the, the latest crisis, that's who gets our attention. 
Because that's all the time there is. But sheep need to be tended to, not just when they're in crisis mode, but they need to be loved on and, and, and taken care of and, and, and valued and, 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 and helped regularly. I can't do that to 450 people. Not and be ready to preach on Sunday morning and teach on Wednesday when it's my turn to do that or whatever and do all the other things and lead the church and find direction and find the will of God and build building all of those things. There's You can't do it. God's going to help us. Connect everybody and get everybody cared for. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week or a month or even a year. Take time. Not only do we celebrate and connect, we also cultivate. Every Wednesday night, we offer you a variety of classes to choose from on various topics and subjects to help teach and train and equip you to live an overcoming life for the Lord Jesus Christ. To help cultivate your relationship with God and with man. This coming Wednesday night, we're going to begin a brand new set of classes. Again, this message is not meant to condemn anyone or make anybody feel condemned or I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody today, but but let me go ahead and say that many of you have never even came one time. Not even once. Some of you who used to come on Wednesday nights no longer come anymore for whatever reason. There's so much more available to you that will help you grow and mature and enrich your life. Thank you for coming to celebration service. And man, it's important and we need to celebrate. We need to be in the house of God. And, 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 and I believe, I believe that, that, that God puts, puts a pastor over a group of people. I believe that we can be many pastors, but I believe that God calls one particular man to lead that. And God will speak to that man and God will use that man. And we need to hear from God every week from the man of God. got a video I believe this morning I want to show you this morning